what's up everybody you are tuned in to the elves call with the elves heard my name is scout aka the rep from section x and i'm Catherine, aka do even elks and today we have a very special guest for you the former double e director of marketing and media relations and the current director of the double e alumni ladies and gentlemen it is the dave jameson <laughs> Dave, Guys, it's it's uh i've been watching your stuff for a while and it's really cool to be here and i just wish i'd worn a hat i didn't realize i'd lost that much hair so i'm pretty excited <laughs> that's okay i'm uh i'm well on my way as well Dave. Oh, okay well i mean hey I'm, I'm probably nine times your age so i'm uh that that's good i probably earned this but uh it's great to see you guys hey thank you so much for joining us today yeah. we have a an extremely loaded show here and you are like the perfect guest to have on the show today mm -hmm. thank you so today we're going to give you the rundown here on today's show this week the edmonton elks are taking on the hamilton tiger cats tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, 5 30 p.m uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that but mm -hmm. first we're going to talk about that last game against the winnipeg blue bombers here at home Number twenty, uh, number twenty-two now, right? Number twenty-two. I believe on the, so. On the home loss. <laughs> I record. believe so. Uh, that sounds getting, about right. We're getting into some good territory there, and then uh, we're also going to open up the fan forum for uh, you know a couple of the changes that have happened sure. over the last week. I I think we know the big obvious one there, Dave. Um, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a big topic, and we got a couple others. Then we're going to give you the Edmonton sports update. And then we're going to give you a bit more information about Dave Jameson in The More You Didn't Know. Okay. Oh, I like this. We got to call it that. Yeah. For copyright. Yeah, yeah trademarks and all that. So, uh, Catherine, let's dig into it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk yeah, about the last usual. game. Let's talk about the last game, which was against the Winnipeg Bombers. Oh, I said Winnipeg right this time. I usually mess that up. So Wins. wins. <laughs> little wins, little wins every time. Yeah. So going into the first quarter, uh, we did see Trey Four getting the start. I think everybody was super excited about that. Uh, everybody was pumped just to see. I think nobody knew what to expect. We were at the tailgate that day, and everybody that we talked to, everybody always said, like, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know how that's going to go. And it was a super exciting start. I think we were just walking into the stadium when we saw that first touchdown when he threw to Kevin Brown right away at the beginning of the game. So we missed that. But yeah. we walked in there pumped. Um, Ten minutes in or so, he also had a nice run for a first down. And then he managed once again to run it in for another touchdown. So, I mean, it was... It, everybody, I think, was super pumped with those first 10 minutes of the game. Um, here's when I want to start getting into the conversation. Yeah. I know that we saw something happening there. I'm not, I can't remember exactly the timing, but we saw the third and one. So mm -hmm. Trey Ford was on the third and one, and they decided not to run it. Yeah, they kicked it away at a third they and one. Kicked right. it away. So now, why Why would you, I don't know, it, it, wouldn't this be the time to bring in Cornelius, seeing that he's the short yardage guy? The other question that I have is, how? why do we kick it away? Wouldn't it, 
wasn't it close enough for Faithful to maybe get a crack of it and try to kick it? I think we were a little bit far for Faithful especially, but the third and one, Dave, like, what's your opinion on on that? Oh, God. Um, Okay. And, and, you know, I was in football and with um, Edmonton for 14 years and saw every practice, every game over 14 years. Missed one because of my dad's death. Um, But I I always said, Don Matthews once said to me, I was working with uh, Don was there in 99 and 2000. And he said, (laughs) and Don could bring you down. He could shrink you down to like a tiny little human with a couple of words. He said, just because you work in football doesn't know, doesn't mean you know football. I said, okay, thanks coach. (laughs) Um, But what I would say to that is sometimes football coaches outsmart themselves, right? Yeah. They they will overthink a situation. And I mean, it, it, you know, here hindsight being, of course, perfect. You know, you would say, well, just I mean, look at the situation the Elks find themselves in. They've got a rookie, a raw rookie, a Canadian rookie quarterback. Say it again, a, a Canadian rookie quarterback, not named Nathan Rourke. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you just do it? And you're off to a great start. Like yeah. that, that first, what? I don't know, really the first half. Um, Yes, I know Winnipeg started to kind of rise up on its haunches and say, hey, we're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and kind of whack, Mm -hmm. you know, and reassert themselves. But you couldn't have scripted a better start to that game for Edmonton. They were terrific. And and so I just, I thought, like, if there's a moment where you just say, screw it, go for it, that would have been one of them, right? Just do it. Like, who, what, the fans are going to boo? (laughs) <laughs> no it's definitely so, a that's really, great start. yeah so i you know i i've been around and been you know part like and, and been been part of scenarios where you think god like and we're early in the game like this isn't being sort of cautious you know late in the game and and playing the odds whatever that means now that was just to me it just seemed like oh screw it let's just do it you know, what's the worst well, thing that can happen to us? And especially when you already went to, uh, for the two point, right? Mm-hmm. You went for the two point. So you already flexed once. Why yeah. not continue with that kind of momentum? Keep flexing. You're yes. on a third and one scenario, which is a very standard scenario. But I think you bring up a really good point of coaches overthinking mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Would you say it, they were playing it safe? Playing well, it on when, the you know, so, there's a staff that whatever the job you think of what Chris Jones and the staff have been doing, um, that, that if there's a time and a place in a season, and I know the coaches will always talk about establishing good habits and process and all of those things. And I understand that. I mean, I've, you know, again, I've been, I've watched teams evolve <clears throat> from training camp to, you know, right through to a gray cup. And so they're always stressing fundamentals and this is the way we do it. And, you know, and predictability and those sorts of things. And I get why you need all of that. But then, I mean, I always just feel like now, given the way, you know, they're 0 and 9 and we we don't need to retell their story, that now is when you want to just open it up yep. you and let to. it go. Like Trey Ford, you want to play, you want to be a pro quarterback? Okay. We're going to do everything we can to help you. We'll put put the best possible protection together based on the personnel we have. And go, go, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Unleash it, and well, let's see what we got. Especially too when you're paying Taylor Cornelius 
mm-hmm. starting quarterback wage, and at this point he's QB three, he can lean over and get the yeah, third. Yeah, you know, I know. The other thing, and you know, you guys referenced at the front end of the question was. I understand that there are some challenges or limitations with with faithful, you know, just his range. Mm-hmm. I mean that that concerns me, you know. And I I had the I guess luxury or benefit, I guess that the, the team did of having Sean Fleming for how many years? Yes, you know, and I'm sure there was an optimal, you know, range distance where he was money, but I never once heard like, oh, we better get in range for Fleming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. It was just like, hey, number eleven. Um, <laughs> what do you got today? We need a fifty-one yard, and it was done. And and that's not like Dean Faithful, who I've interviewed and was utterly charming. And I thought I was talking to someone from Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, and and it seems like a great dude, and I mean, I hope he has you know great success. But it just like I I don't like. I I just if you're if you're good enough to play then you're good enough to be challenged and you're good enough to be put in tough situations. Yes. Yeah. And if tough situations require you to, you know, nail one from 47, then you got to do it mm-hmm. or we'll get someone else to do it. Yeah. yeah. Push it, push your limits. And yeah. that's yeah. key that's, level, but, right? Uh, yeah. Well, at the end, I think I've mentioned it before. It's also a job, right? He yeah. is being paid to perform a job and, just like in any other job, if you're not performing properly, then you got to find a better performance. Sure. Yeah, that, 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 that is no, fair. No, it, it's, not, it's not a matter of accommodating, but it's like you say, pushing the limits, right? It's let's yeah. let's see what you can do, especially in a moment like this, that we, we're ahead, yeah. really. We don't have much to lose. Yeah. If kicked it in, if he kicked it and kicked it in, we would have been three points ahead instead yeah. of to yeah. the position that we were at after that right so yeah uh but let's move on after that we did go into the second quarter with a lead that was a nice little surprise everybody was super happy uh the defense put pressure on Caleros uh right there which caused him to trip I'm gonna say that because I know that he he did challenge Mm -hmm. it and nothing came out of it um which caused him to throw it right in the hands of Purefoy which threw it back for a lovely pick six. Walking um, turnover himself. Yeah, that's yes. what he calls himself, right? Yeah. Walking turnover. He lives up to his name. He's a good player, uh, man. He's a really good player. Um, seemed Leonard, he continues to make good plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just didn't seem to be enough just quite there. Um, mm-hmm. Winnipeg brought out their backup, Drew Brown, who yeah. definitely showed up to play. Yeah, he so yeah. we finished the first half with twenty-two ten, and I think at that point everybody was still quite uh, hopeful. I think mm-hmm. everybody was still quite excited, and the energy in Commonwealth was very high and very infectious. <clears throat> yeah, it was one of the best halves that the Edmonton Elks have played in even really the last two years. It oh was God, like- yeah. It, without yeah. question, without question, it may be in fact the best half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure we could go back and look at some other games and go, oh, okay, well, they were rolling there. But I, I, I would agree. I think it was the most um, cohesive on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, half of football that I've seen out of this this group um, over a couple of years, and it did give some. But you know. 
God, this is like um, one of those old comics where, you know, the guy walks out the door and an anvil falls on his head. Like he's looking like, oh, God, when's it going to hit? And then it lands. And you just, because it was Winnipeg. Yeah. Very, definitely. You just, even with Drew Brown, you go, well, these guys do know how to win. Yeah. And I was around, when I worked there, there were the teams in 02. 03, which 02 went to the Grey Cup here and lost to Montreal. 03 won and just pummeled Montreal. Not the score wasn't a pummeling, but the, the on field, they, they lit them up in Regina in 03. They won in 04 was a very good team, but didn't they lost um, in the, the final or semi. And then 05 won. And, but that was a team that was aging. But I'm telling you that 02 03 team of the Eskimos. They remind me a lot of, and I know Winnipeg is on the back end of this group. Like they're they're going to age out here, right? Because this yeah. can't keep rolling forever. But they remind me a bit of that 0203 Eskimo team, where it's just like you go, yeah, we're not our best tonight, but we're going to win. Yeah. Why? Because we're better. Just <laughs> better. And, and you, you know, you didn't need to go deep. We're just we're just better, and that's yeah. what Winnipeg is just better. And I think everybody went into the third quarter feeling that, right? Everybody started yeah. getting a little apprehensive yeah. because every, everybody was wondering when is it that they're going to show up. Yeah, they, Winnipeg just decides they're going to flex and they just, you know, flex and you go, oh, okay, all right. And that's exactly. And we, and we the pedigree, know. the pedigree, right? Yes. And then champion, champion's pedigree, championship right. pedigree. It's something that I've talked about quite a bit, uh, especially when we faced Winnipeg. <laughs> Never count these guys out. and. You'd like to think that the backup quarterback coming in is an ideal scenario for the Edmonton Elks. But like you said, unfortunately, they have the pedigree. Their backups <laughs> know how which, to fall. Which, which is what people used to say about Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you go, hey, we're, we got them down by 10. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, their backup's in. But our backup is better than your starter. Yeah. yeah. And and I know it's a different time. I understand that. And I understand there's a cap and there's limited and it's harder to find players to come to Canada and because of the competition. No, I, I get all of that. But there was a time when people used to say that about Edmonton. Like, how is that dude your backup? Yeah. Because we, right. we take him as our starter in a, in a minute. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, well, he's not better than the guy we have. Yeah. Well, even looking at the scenario we're in right now and then comparing to, let's say, the Danny Machocha year years, right? That, that, like that's very small stint. Edmonton ran him out of town for things that we're we're actually witnessing worse than what we witnessed with the Machocha, right? Yeah. And so it's like, it, it, it it's not a forgiveness, but we have slipped so far from that spot in yeah. CFL legacy. It hurts. It does. You know, and you guys, you know, you're, you're fans, ultimately. That's why we're doing this. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm both, you know, a former employee and, you know, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm, as you guys mentioned, at the off of the top of this, I'm a director for the uh, EE alumni. Um, I still do work with the Elks. Um, was working, you know, I'll be helping them with the Wall of Honor celebration for Terry Vaughn Beautiful. on August 27th. And, and so, um, you know, I'm invested. Right. And so I can tell you just on a personal level, I don't want to speak for anybody on the alumni. They're more than capable of, you know, they've got their own voices and they're, they're those are the guys who played. They're the ones who matter. I'm the guy who happened to be there and have a 
role roles uh, for 14 years. I'm privileged to have been part of it, but it hurts to see where they're at now. Yes. No, and that's it's great to hear. And I say that not in a negative way, but mm-hmm. all of us as fans, I, I'll, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of fans just because of what I've seen on Twitter. Sure. We all want to see more communication or we want to see more of a voice. And even like, let's say with Odell and uh, Calvin McCarty, those guys out there right now, speaking of Eddie Steele, there's a lot mm-hmm. of alumni out there and they're, they're showing their displeasure, but mm-hmm. I think especially for somebody like yourself with that history and those connections, I mean, you could be prancing around and preaching that, yeah, everything's okay. But the reality is that there is a legacy and there is a legacy behind that. Well, just to ponder for it, just consider this next year is the 75th anniversary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you don't always, you don't get to dictate the terms of, I mean, I shouldn't, let me rephrase that. I mean, you know, you'd like to coincide with the team doing really, really well, you know, um, a celebration of all that's come before and all of that. And they'll do that and they do it really well. But, you know, it's a point in the franchise's history where it gives you a chance or will give people a chance to reflect on all of the great that has happened there. And there have been some lean years. The 60s were not good. Um, but, it, you know, it's a, there's a lot to unpack of where this franchise is right now. And I know we're going to get to some questions around the news that's happened the last couple of days. But, you know, it's there's a cautionary tale in there where I was, you know, I, I, was, I arrived in 1998, not to make this about me, but I will for a moment. You know, and we were, um, you know, I got the job at the Eskimos and I was obviously excited and proud to, to be part of it. And our first year we had, you know, we were not a great team. We were nine and nine. David Archer was the quarterback. Kay Stevenson was the head coach. And we just kind of limped through and we were sort of dragging that Ron Lancaster era. There were a bunch of guys from there that continued on, did a year. And then it was like, okay, we got through that and that brought on the change. And then we went into our past, got Don Matthews in 99 that didn't go terribly well for a couple of years. And then, but what happened was there was a building, like there was, you know, there, the 99, we added some free agents like Terry Vaughn was a big star, you know, and, and, and there was a, but there were, it seemed now in reflection, um, there was a real process to how we got better. And then identify, you know, Jason Moss was a upgrade on Neilon Green and Marcus Crandall, but then that gave way to Ricky Ray. And I know Ricky Ray seems like he was sent from another planet, and at the time, I guess, but you know, Jason Moss was a damn good quarterback. Yeah, let the record show. Um, and but there, you know, and it's just been to watch the last few years here in Edmonton. Yeah, and I know there was COVID in there. So, but but just the last couple of years, it just doesn't seem like they've answered enough questions about the most important positions on the team, namely quarterback. Right. Um, and they're just, it, it just can't get traction, man. They just can't get traction. Injuries from key players, big free agent signings, you know, which we can debate. Although I got to tell you, like the last couple of years, I go, Chris Jones won free agency. Like, yeah. Goes out and yeah. Gets, which tells me that he's a really good, like, 
and I, you know, I believe this about Chris Jones. He is, he can find talent and he can sell them on what he is offering. That's a skill. That's a real skill. Yes. But now we got to do something with that talent, right? Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm not. And listen, I'm not giving them a pass or them yeah, a pass. No, you know, because it's real easy to just go. It's all and and it's it is bleak, and I, you can't. Yeah. You know, again, go go back to Don Matthews. You know, he used to say, um, and like I'm a young PR guy, I'm doing. You know, I'm I'm still green. And Don would go, "We are a record," because I'd be saying, "Oh, well, you know, we were close or whatever." Some bullshit I was offering him up as a conversation, <laughs> and he'd go, "We are a record." Yeah. Get it? Be clear. If you're two and eleven, you're two and eleven. And you might have lost some close games in there, but you are until they have another way of measuring what success is. You are your record, so get yep. used to it. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. No, that's. I mean, tying it back to the game, it's exactly yeah. it, right? I mean, if we're if we're going to be a record, we got to make sure that we're playing and we're improving every single mm. time that we get rid of that record, right? And right. I know with the third, you know, we started all right going mm. into. Third. Yeah, uh, we saw, you know, Trey Ford doing his thing. We okay. had a touchdown in there, but in very typical third quarter fashion, things started to go south. And just like Steve Benassi here in the chat, he says the momentum started to shift, right? Yeah. And we saw it. And the one thing that I started noticing, and this goes back to the talent, right? That sometimes it doesn't matter how talented your team is if you keep making the same mistakes over and over again. We keep seeing the penalties, the defense not stopping the yeah. run. We have the O-line, you know, just going and, you know, we just see a lot of the over the middle, over the head plays by the O-line. We don't see any adjustments after the half. It's like the Elks are not even trying to figure out the opposition's playbook. It just seems like there's no progress, and that's that's what's frustrating, especially well, we, when you have such talent in the team. We did get that touchdown, right? We got that to the side uh, to Kyron Moore. He ran it up the side. It was more of an unconventional play uh, rather than what we've seen. I guess Gino Lewis at the beginning of the year kind of mm-hmm. scored on something similar, but that was more of a 50-50 ball rather than a guy wide open. Uh, But, yeah, like, I mean, uh, as far as the defense goes, they kind of – Winnipeg kind of started to run um, the Brady-Olivera combo, running us down with that. And then, like you said, over the head, it was – you could almost predict. Yeah, you could almost predict it. It was getting a little bit frustrating. So uh, lack of adjustments at halftime again, right? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I, I've talked to, and I've been in the dressing room at halftime many times. Um, and there is, you know, it you do get some time. And I've seen some coaching at halftime. I mean, I've seen, you know, Rich Stubler back in the day pull out a whiteboard and grab, you know, the defense. Because <laughs> it was his area, obviously. But there isn't a lot of time to fundamentally change what you've spent all week preparing. Like you can, you can highlight some things, but you know, in terms of like sweeping tactical changes, you don't have a lot of time and um, you, you, by then you've identified tendencies and you know, they've, they've seen some stuff that maybe they weren't either, you know, they hadn't properly prepared for, but there aren't a lot of mysteries. You know, I don't think Winnipeg 
fooled anybody with how they went about their business. I mean, they were slow to get going and credit Edmonton. I mean, they were sharp right out of the gate. But then things settle out, you know, and then you get, you see where the soft underbelly gets revealed. You know, and Winnipeg can grind. And then Edmonton ends up defense, you know, they're on the field a long time, long drives. And you start seeing them kind of get on roller skates going backwards. Hmm. You know, it's tough. Tough, tough, tough. That run game, right? The run game has been an issue for the Edmonton Elks all season. (laughs) So it was only a matter of time before uh, Brady Oliver got started. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even with, I mean, not to bring it back to Drew Brown, but he did, he did what he was supposed to do and more. He was for a rookie backup. He was absolutely amazing. And unfortunately it just, led us to blow up very comfortable lead <laughs> and yeah. you know and that's that's another thing right i mean with that lead how do you go from having such a comfortable lead to absolutely blowing it right what what is it that happens at that point it could be you know we could talk about the penalties we could talk about the turnovers we could even talk about the coaching right does chris Jones have yeah. too many jobs and is he just perhaps not paying attention attention to some specific things are they're being overlooked you know it, it's i mean he's one man and obviously he's very talented um you know he's he's one in this league um yeah i i there are too many hats there are too many hats too much too much going on um uh, for you know i think at his best he should be a head coach and if he has to do d coordinator so be it he's very skilled in that area um GMing requires a lot of time. Um, when a team is on the field practicing, GMs should be on a phone or they should be on a plane. And they should be out finding players to either replace what you have or get ready for to, to bring in, um, you know, new new talent if necessary um the gm should always be thinking ahead i mean you've got to react to what's happened if there are injuries and you've got to you know make roster moves and all that stuff but it's a lot to ask of one person mm-hmm. i mean coaching a football pro football team god it's just a crushing job it really <laughs> is i've seen really good people very skilled people just buckle under the stress of it all yeah. and they were and they had good teams and they were winning. Like, imagine that. Like, you're winning, and it's still kind of killing it. Yeah. Well, workaholics, right? And well, uh, sure. Yeah. And, and But, you know, when you, you know, just when you think, hey, we're on a, you know, whatever, five-game winning streak, we should be on easy street, is, you know, when you lose your, you know, left tackle, and you're like, holy shit, I got to, you know, and then it's a whole new, you know, it's, it's, a, it's your, you know, you win one and then it's do it again five, seven days later, you know, and which I, and everyone knows the nature of the beast, but it's still, it's, uh, it's a lot to ask Chris Jones to do all of that, do it well and, 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 and try and get a team that is, you know, and, and he's talked about it and I know he's sick of it, but the losing streak is not all on him, but he wears it. Yeah. He, he definitely has to, as the, yeah. the number one representative for the team realistically right it's not it wasn't victor for the last while we'll get to that but it wasn't victor 
um, the number one face for the team is Chris Jones. He's the number one yes. person yes. getting lambasted. Always should, should be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Always so, and then uh, game of turnovers. Well, yeah, that's yeah. that's what it was. And we've said it before. If it's a game of turnovers, you know it's over. It's not. You got to win that battle. You get. You have to win that Always. battle. And we ever have. thus. Yeah. Ever thus. Yeah. So, I mean, we ended up uh, 38-29 being the final score. My last thought on that is at least it wasn't zero. It's going to be a positive. Shut out. Jeez, that's a low <laughs> bar. Man, that is so low. <laughs> I think I said that, you know, that our expectations are so low. <laughs> well, and even, even live listener Steve Manassi, he also <laughs> said last week his expectation, just at least get one point. <laughs> just one, you know. If I may, if I may, you know, and again, I was, I was part of some not very good teams like 06, 07, you know, Eskimos after the Ricky Ray trade with Steven Giles, very nice guy. I worked with Steve twice. Um, you, we weren't good. Let's just call it that. We weren't good, yeah. but we still had the capability of entertaining and scoring points. Yes. And I, you know, fans are disappointed by losses. But if they went to the ball, if they went to the park, they went to Commonwealth and they were entertained, but mm-hmm. came away with the loss, you go, okay, well, I guess on a, as just an entertainment piece, entertainment vehicle, okay, well, we, you know, kind of did our job. Sorry about the result, and we'll try and do better next time. But when you get shut out, when you lose as often, you know, when consecutively as they do, it's... Uh, you fans say, what are you offering me exactly? Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Oh, and with that entertainment piece, right, it, it, it's kind of funny because this last game was very entertaining. It was, it was great. Extremely yeah. entertaining, but there's Absolutely. still a very large portion of fans mm-hmm. that are still saying, what did you provide me? Because you obviously did not get me a win, and the number one thing that a lot of fans want right now is just a win. Just to win at home, right? Well, and, and just to make this whole story go away, like just and like end the pain. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a great win. It could be a low-scoring game, and Dean Faithful wins it on a walk-off forty-yarder. I don't care. It doesn't matter how it happens. It just has to happen. Yeah, yeah. And um. Once that happens, I'm not suggesting they're going to go on a run or anything like that because I don't, I don't think that's they're capable of that right now. But that's they're not that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a hell of a lot to ask a team with Trey Ford as your starting quarterback, because you know, and he showed some really good stuff to pull that off now. Mm-hmm. But you know, can they show and they get some wins, show that there's been some progress? in some areas, notably, you know, the development of a quarterback, a consistent, a winning, a quarterback that can win in the CFL. And, you know, and then draw this whole thing to a close. Yeah. No, and I even heard you on 1260 over the last year talk about that. Like, is winning the the only thing that they need right now? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. And even if it's an 0-3 win, let's say, like you said, right, uh, Dean Faithful Anything. walk-off, Let's even add zero points the whole game. And right. the only thing we got was the three at the end. Fans at home at Commonwealth Stadium would still lose it for that because we yeah. we are past the point of entertainment. You could do everything inside the stadium and outside the Matters stadium. Up. 
right? Yeah. The tailgate, the tailgate is great. We're, we're doing great out there. Yeah, it's fantastic. Right. But then you now have to go watch for the next two yes. and a half to three hours another loss. And that kind so of like still, kills you that. You still experience. walk away with a sour disposition. Yeah. Right? You right. Still walk away. And, and God bless the tailgate. And, you know, I, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll mention all of what happens outside the stadium. But I know there were people at tailgate and never go inside. Yeah. They're and, well, and, totally. You know, and okay, I understand that's part of tailgating and that happens elsewhere with really good teams. Um, but But that said, um it's yeah god i wish we weren't talking about, i mean i know why we're talking and it's good that we are talking but it's just it's um it's it's a it's just sort of a, a swirl around the toilet bowl all the time just about you know the lack of wins all of the the, the, the you know the issues around the team and the attendance and everything it just for a lot of reasons it would be nice for it to change the narrative and the wind the wind will be the thing that at least for a moment lets everyone breathe just yeah. breathe for a second just for a little bit yeah 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 well and even with last year too real quick before we go on to the transactions even with last year we had away wins so there's wins happening away and there yeah. was that hope and like taylor Cornelius right. was progressing and everything else but unfortunately for some reason we just never got to the home win and and now we are at the point where everybody is frothing at the mouth for that. So, like, we need it. I, the, the best two chances are the next two games, um, obviously. And Hamilton, we just need a season win now. And then we need a home win. And Ottawa at home is going to be the next best, best yeah, chance. Right. Yeah. So, win one for Terry Vaughn. Let's do that. Yeah, there yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it. we saw your tweet. We retweeted that... it or reposted it now. Sorry. <laughs> on X, but... I, don't know, I don't know what you call it. Reacted, yeah, reacted, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, injury report. Yep, yeah, going to the next game, which is tomorrow. Uh, we do have some injuries. We have Elliot Brown on the D line out with a knee injury. Uh, Lucy, Luches, wow, okay, <laughs> Purifoy <laughs> out with a calf injury, and Josiah St. John, St. John, an O line with a hand injury. So <sighs> Disappointing, yeah, of that, course. That Purifoy one. Purifoy, we the have Purifoy. Some... It hurts. Yeah. yeah, it definitely wow. hurts. Uh, we did have some transactions. We had some signups. Uh, D line Daniel Ross. We also have Caleb Tanner, a linebacker, and Micaiah Johnson, a running back. So mm. that we'll see. I'm not too sure about those ones, so we'll just we'll just move on. <laughs> yeah, depth, depth chart is out, so definitely go check out the depth yes. chart uh, from the Edmonton Elks themselves. We haven't quite scanned it. We do know that Trey Ford is going to be starting, mm -hmm. so as um, he should, as, as he, should. he earned that one, right? He and I, mean, I would say that he is my player to watch because nice. once once again we we want to see him continue with this momentum that he has. I mean, he had an amazing game. He had some great plays let's just keep going so i'll definitely be be watching him on that what would be your player to watch oh without question i mean it's trey ford i yeah. want to see him build off what he did um he's a decidedly different quarterback than taylor cornelius not just in stature but just you know he, just his abilities and cornelius ran very well for a big man mm -hmm. uh, surprisingly so but but trey ford's a different kind of animal you know i mean i um for those of a certain age who remember neil green 
I see some Nilon Green. Now, Nilon Green came out of a major U.S. program. So he was, you know, got to remember, like Trey Ford, we're talking about homegrown in the truest sense, you know, and it's a tall or like it's a big jump to this level. But just in terms stylistically, you know, I, I look at Trey Ford and I see a bit of Nilon in there and, you know, Nilon would you would love him because he would do stuff. He'd go off and, and you know, run and did it really well. And but then would make curious decisions. Let's call him that with the football in terms of throwing and, you know, where he would, you know, you're like, what did you see on that play? Um, but you know, and, but that's okay. I mean, you know, young quarterbacks will, you'll love them and then you'll, you'll want to, you know, not love them, but, um, yeah, Trey Ford is the guy to watch. I mean, and having Geno Lewis back in is going to be great for all concerned, but, but Trey Ford is the one you want to watch. Nice. And then for me, I'll go D with it. I'm going to say Niles Morgan. Mm Mm-hmm. A big reason is for the penalties. If he can keep a clean game, if he can pull off a clean sheet, uh, play that game, play his game, and not rack up massive penalties because the defense has had an issue with that over the last few games. So Mm -hmm. uh, really, really hoping that Niles Morgan comes out, falls out, and helps get that win in Hamilton. Okay. So, guys, uh, we're done talking about that last game. Let's open up the fan forum. <laughs> so, uh, this segment's called the fan forum, and we're going to talk about some hot topics surrounding the Edmonton Elks, and our live listeners will get to chime in on each topic we discuss. So, this is where we're going to scan through that live chat after each question. Okay. Um, so everybody make sure you comment in the chat, uh, get it in there because we're going to be looking now <laughs> our first topic. It's going to be a very obvious one. Mm-hmm. We know where this is going. Uh, it's about Victor Kui and the Edmonton Elks parting ways. Um, I believe he's had four wins during his tenure. So a year and a half season and season and a half. Uh, zero home wins, the four away wins. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had quite a bit of employee turnover yes. over in the Edmonton Elks office. Mm-hmm. And then the alumni. Uh, we're hearing mixed stuff from the alumni. Some of them are kind of happy with some of the initiatives he's brought in, but then there's still also alumni that are feeling like they aren't getting enough. Like uh, an alumni today posted about the alumni room and wondering if they're actually going to get full access, which right. makes sense. It's called alumni room. Your alumni should be using it for their purposes within the game. Right. Mm-hmm. So do you think this was a good move by the board and Victor Quee to part ways? Yes, I do. Um, and, and let me, I'm not here to impugn anyone's, reputation um i'm not there within the organization but i know enough people who are and i've had enough dealings with all of the interested parties in all of this um what i will say is that victor and i you know like a lot of people were if not impressed maybe even blown away by him when he arrived consider he, he arrived with um a flourish and um, a social media savvy and certainly a resume that made you sit up and go, wow, okay. And he talked about making the Edmonton Elks not just a local 
not even a provincial, but a global brand. And so the vision was big. And I could see how people on the board who are all, you know, lawyers and business leaders and whatever else, um, that they too, even though they are, are seasoned professionals, would look at this individual coming in from what he had done in overseas and in Asia and with one championship and go, wow, he is going to take us to a new place. And in fact, there were times when people were like, this guy should be the commissioner of the CFL. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you talk about making an entrance. It was an entrance, mm-hmm. but and I, you know, both with the 14 years I worked at the club and then I did one year with the as president of the Edmonton Rush, which was humbling, but maybe the best education I ever got in sports management, because it taught me that that you can clap your hands and say, I will deliver. And I will make a lot of pronouncements and we will fill the stadium and we will do this. And. The act, the, re- the hard reality, selling a ticket to a pro sporting event, and I know to, to keep the Oilers out of this, there were times when it was hard to sell the Oilers in this town because they weren't good. Doing that um, is a very hard job, and it requires diligence, it requires patience, and it requires a system, and it requires um, – and, and I, I'm sure Victor on a level knew that and knows it, um, but there was, you know, a year and a half in the board, and I, I can't speak for them. They probably went, when's the magic going to kick in? Like there was lots of, you know, there was a great presence on social media. I get that. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, where are the results? Now, the results are often tied to the on-field product. Mm-hmm. But I don't think a game presentation under Victor Cui's leadership is terribly different from what I was involved in. It's modernized because it should be. I mean, there's social media, there's, you know, but at the end of the day, you've got, you know, football into the end zone for high school football. You've got a cheer team that's excellent. Mm-hmm. You've got music playing. You've got some timeouts to do some stuff. But there isn't a lot you can do within... Like, yes, again, back to, you know, what we were talking about way long time ago, which was the tailgating. There's a good vibe around that. It'll be even better when the crowds are bigger. Um, So I I just, uh, I I heard a lot about a vision. I just didn't see a lot of action on the vision. And you referenced, you know, staff turnover, and that's that's troubling. It it speaks to uh, an environment. Um, And again, coupled with, a wildly underperforming team. I think the board just said, you know, we got to move here. We got to, we got to, we got to get on to the, to, to a, a different way of doing it. Now, I don't know what that is because Victor Quay was like a shock to the system when he yeah. arrived. And I, I said it on the air when I was at TSN 1260. Wow, this guy, like, wow, you know, this is a a franchise that has fallen on hard times. This is the right guy arriving at the right time. Um, And let's stand back and watch it go. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's very interesting that you say that because um, even our friends over at Edmonton Sports Talk, Mm -hmm. They Dustin Nielsen was saying the exact same thing. So he came on, Victor Kui came on, mm-hmm. 
he said, well, guys, what's up? I'm part of the AM Nasty for a day. And he kind of sold his persona and sold yeah. his position, right? And got everybody to like him real quick. And that's, that's great. That's great for selling and marketing and everything else. And like you said, the whole global global part of it, right? He's trying to make it a global brand, but the people that you need to sell to live in Edmonton. They're right here. They're right here. My question is this, though. So let's say that the game was perform, the team was performing, and we were actually winning games. Mm -hmm. Do you think this would have happened too, or is that just a result of? No, it's a great question. It's a great question. It reframes the dynamic. <laughs> now, losing in professional sports or in sports, but professional sports because you're getting paid and there's higher expectations, and there should be. Um, but if you're winning. You know, they say winning a race is a whole bunch of things, right? And it does on a level, but I've been around some really good team. But, you know, it's a, a different time. Sometimes I have to check myself that, you know, when I worked there, it's a number of years ago. And the, the people of 2023, young staffers, they've got a really young, energetic, talented staff at the Elks. I know that because I've seen their work. It's really good. Um, and, and, I'll say this about Victor. And again, I said at the outset and I'll maintain it now. I don't want to impugn anybody personally, but there was a lot of brand building around Victor. Mm -hmm. And through social media, through magazine covers, through profiles, through a lot of that stuff. And I, you know, I'll say now, nobody's ever bought a ticket to a, sporting event to watch a president except maybe <laughs> jerry jones in dallas nobody no and and it's a very good point and i understand using your persona and your likeness to yeah. leverage another brand i mean we we mm -hmm. we kind of specialize in social media and specialize in marketing and things like that like we know how to do that but very rarely does it actually translate at the thousands and the millions like let's say uh trell owens so mm -hmm. he has a wine brand yeah his wine brand uh follows the herd the, the elks herd and we follow his wine brand back mm -hmm. now as if he, he's ever going to follow us back on his personal or whatever <laughs> but this is his brand that he's hawking on the side yeah he's not getting thousands of followers he's not gaining the same traction right yeah. And even then, however he markets it on Twitter, it's still not translating to the thousands and mm -hmm. results that he's hoping for. So the, you you make an extremely good point, right? Uh, a lot of that media and a lot of that stuff that was happening around Victor, unfortunately, it wasn't as productive as maybe it seemed. Yeah, yeah. and I, I applaud him for doing it. Um and and had the he had the skill and the sensibility and obviously great experience um from you know is is what he'd done previously to be able to do that um but it's a cautionary tale i think for a lot of people to not place so much importance on what a person's online persona is mm -hmm. but when the lights are off and the cameras are not you know and your phone is away are you able to get the work done necessary to run a professional sports franchise. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. Okay. Non-glamorous work. Like yeah. it ain't fun. And I was there for Hugh Campbell hired me. 
and I owe him more than I could ever repay him. And I worked with Rick Lawlisher, one of the best bosses I ever had. And he wasn't always fun, but I'll tell you what, man, we got a lot of work done and, and, and um, a lot of it people never saw, but I can tell you that it required a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of, um, and I, I, you know, it's, it's a shame that it's had to come to this, but it's, I think best for all parties. No, I, I agree. Even, you know, what Steve said here in the chat, uh, he was asking what was so urgent to let Victor go in the middle of the season. Unfortunately, we we don't know that. We can't speak on it. However, if it's middle of the season, uh, your imagination can definitely go wild on that. And sure. then now we're looking for an interim position only to redo. And go out, which I got to be honest, and, and I, you know, I've, I've said it to friends and, I'm curious. It's, it's a curious move. Like why you need to go outside for interim. And then when that's over, go outside again to find someone to come inside. Yeah. And they even said that they could go internal with that too. So, I mean, you're not going to go internal to start with the interim, which is the natural, I would assume, uh, internal, uh, internal to interim. That's usually a natural process, but in this case, right. they're going outside and then the permanent position could be internal. Well, and, and and here's the thing, like at this point in the season, um, God, I hate saying this, the season is lost. Yeah, it's your, you know, yeah. whatever's going to happen on the field is going to happen. But in turn, now you're into next year. Now you're, you're having scheduling meetings. You're meeting with the city to talk about, you know, availability and like, could we play? You're starting to frame up a schedule. And then you're then you really get into it with the league, and and they go through so many iterations of schedules. I mean, I've been around where it's like, what version of this are we signing off on? Yeah, you know, what, like version seventeen, and because you're not doing it in isolation, and the city, you're a tenant. Yeah. You know, if Motley Crue decides to come through with yet another farewell tour, well, Motley Crue, yeah, yeah. And so it's people always go, well, how hard is it? You just go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday now. Um, well, it's harder than that because, you know, in Commonwealth, you'd like it to be very busy. And um, some years it's pretty busy. And, and you know, um, so the Elks have to work around all of that. And I know what that process can look like. But you're into next year. You're starting to go, okay, what are we you know, and based on your financials, right? You're that's going to really dictate what you can do or not do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so that's why I'm finding curious why you wouldn't slide in, let's say, an Alan Watt, who is with, unless I'm missing somebody, is the most experienced sports executive in this city right now, still working in sports. Correct. And has been around, like I, I replaced Alan, who's a friend of mine, but I came in 98. I think Alan moved to the Oilers in 97. Um, he was part of most of the five in a row, if not all of it. I mean, he has seen there isn't anything around a football franchise in the CFL that he doesn't know on some level, you know, why just slide him in and do that. Or Rick Lawlisher, you know, who's retired from the BC Lions, his lives here and could very capably and like, you know, just as long as it took him to drive to the stadium and then slide into that office, you could do the job and get it all done. Any other, I think there are options, but uh, you know, I'm, nobody asked me and and the board and their wisdom decided this is the way they're going to go. So either they know something we don't, which is yeah. obviously the case. Yeah. Um, I just find it a curious move. 
Well, and that kind of takes us to our next question, you know, with the organization losing so much money and not really being sure exactly what direction they're going to take. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your thoughts on the organization moving away from the community model, community owned model, and now looking at selling the team to an ownership group or or some new yeah. version of whatever that looks like. If it's an, a singular owner, or if it's a, if it's a group of investors who come together. Yeah. Um. Here my th here's my thought. I'll try and be succinct for a change. Community ownership is a, 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 obviously. I mean, it's how this team started, and it works well in Winnipeg. It works well in Saskatchewan, and largely has worked well here. And that's fine. Um, and I respect history, but they've arrived at a place now, you know, for, we, we know why they're here or how they're here, um, where I think you have to entertain every idea for financial viability and sustainability. And if that is a singular owner, if Elks Herd buys the team and you guys are properly financed, have at it kids and you can get clearance by the league and the various you know uh, governing bodies go for it um if it's a group of individuals you know uh who care about this team and want to see it survive and think it's an asset to our community go forth i just don't think that now given the dire you know they're in dire financial straits that you can be no we are dying on the hill of community ownership because i'm going to say this and i maintained it when i was there we're proud of our community ownership we were were and we talked about it a lot you know uh, in terms of like there were great benefits of being community owned and a not-for-profit which is how they were classified i believe they still are mm -hmm. You could buy your advertising and get it at reduced rates and things like that. You got benefits for being a not-for-profit. Yeah. And we always, uh, and I remember Hugh Campbell saying, you know, Dave, um, we just, we don't want to make a lot of money. We just don't want to lose a lot. And I thought, wow, that's a weird way of kind of going about this. But it was true. Just stay in the, you know, stay out of the red as much as you can. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to get greedy. And they had the heritage fund or sustainability fund or whatever you call it. And you knew that the finances were good. And then when you would host a great cup, you'd get a big influx of money and you'd plump the coffers up and off you go. And I'm not being succinct. So I lied at the front end of this question. <laughs> You've got to entertain that. You have to entertain all of the options. And I, I, I maintain that there would be a whole bunch of people walking through the turnstiles at Commonwealth or they used to be turnstiles. Now they're, you get your ticket scanned that don't know what the ownership situation is. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you a good football team? Are you a bad football team? Did I have fun? Did I get value? They don't care about community ownership. It's talked about, you know, in media circles and people like me, and I guess, and we make it seem like it's, that's wow. It's, a, it's so important. I think people just don't want the team to be bad. <laughs> that don't care if it's yeah. you know I own it or you own it or whoever owns it just run it well pay the bills make sure the lights are on at Commonwealth well that's the city's job and just don't suck well and it, it's kind of funny right because now we've entered the land of who can we blame like yeah. like, like now, now fans are <laughs> asking 
who can we blame? So Victor's gone now, right? Mm -hmm. Chris Jones is still there. People are still blaming Chris Jones. But then, well, who hired Chris Jones? It was the board. So now people are ripping on the board. And then with people ripping on the board, they're now asking, okay, well, is this board the the problem? Do we need to get (laughs) private ownership? Do we need a true owner that cares about this team? And like we said, right? Like, I mean, take a look at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 29 years without a Grey Cup. Uh, Those guys, they, they have been through quite literally years of turmoil, maintained the community ownership, and they stayed afloat perfectly fine. They, they, yes, they did. And I, I had a dear friend who since passed, Jerry Maslowski, who was with the Bombers and is revered, was revered there um, in that organization for what he did. And, you know, Jerry and I would talk, when they were, they were bad, and they were, they had bad teams. They had a terrible old stadium, Canada Inn Stadium, or Winnipeg Stadium. I mean, there wasn't much good about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you know, in, in uh, for a lot of the time that I was in the league. But they, you know, they had great players from time to time. And, you know, Mill Stiegel and Charles Robert. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, they, were, they had good players. And sometimes they had some kick-ass teams. But they were just kind of a downtrodden franchise that couldn't win the big games. They couldn't make it to the big games. And then they got there were a bunch of things happened. And it's never one thing. It's it's a it's a culmination of a bunch of things that are smart. Some of it it's it's by chance and you know pure luck, and that happens in life uh, and football. And then it just sort of builds to a place where holy shit all of this is working. Like, how did we get here? Well, you got a new stadium and you got, mm-hmm. you know, you got Wade Miller and you got Kyle Walters and you got Mike O'Shea. And then, whoa, wait a minute. You rescue Zach Kolaris off the, the, mm-hmm. the trap heap and a bunch. And then you build out a really good team and then you keep good people. And again, I come back to a consistency of leadership when you look at Winnipeg, which is what Edmonton had for so long like when I was there from 98 to, to when I left 14 years later in 2012 I mean you had Hugh Campbell we had a board of directors I mean they changed out I mean the boards change and and you knew the individuals um it took a while before we had a woman on the board that was great Diane Brickner but you know it was male dominated as it was at the time and and these were captains of industry in the city and they would come through. You wouldn't see them very much. They would be at the games, but you never, they were on the sidelines parading around. They weren't, you know, but, but they would come in the office, the old building, you know, down one twelve there by the stadium. And they would just slide through. Like they would, they would, guy would pop in after a tough loss and he'd drop in and see the staff and just say, Hey, tough loss last night. How are you guys doing? Anything you need. And then he'd be gone. And then he'd slide it. There was there was um there was just sort of a quiet confidence. You knew that they would the board was there and very supportive. And I believe this one is too. I'm not like I don't know the individuals other than Tom Richards on the board, that they're very skilled and, and they're supportive and they're trying to do the right things. Um, but there was a consistency on the football side that was just um there was just a rhythm, you know, everything from, you know, Dwayne Mandrusiak doing, and they've got like the support staff and all that stuff at the Elks. I'm not, but there was just year after year, 
it, there were in my role and you know Hugh Campbell's role and then he transitioned to Rick Lawlisher and there was just it was um and I just I, it seems like the Elks just careen from crisis to crisis to crisis now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no it's you know something that was mentioned was ever since Ed Hervey Ed Hervey uh was dismissed or sorry we didn't pay him anyways uh Len Rhodes uh since those kind of days right Things have kind of been on a little bit of a downslope, and now we've kind of hit rock bottom. So. Well, and and if I can, I'll just jump in. I, you know, when people have asked, like, where do you think it's sort of going wrong? Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little further back. Um, I'm gonna go where I knew, and I left not that long after. Um, it was the Tillman hiring, and followed by. The Rhodes hiring followed by the Ray trade. Mm. Now, the Tillman hiring came, you know, whatever it was, a year and a half to whatever. I can't recall the timeline necessarily. And then and then Lawlisher, you know, stepped aside. And, and then Len Rhodes was hired. And then, you know, in December, the Ricky Ray trade went down. And Len was a very inexperienced sports executive. He worked, obviously, in Reebok and whatever. We'd never done this before. And then Ricky was traded and I, and then I, you know, not that long after decided I was going to leave and go and do other things. Um, that's when the club lost its way. And, you know, they won in 2015 and, and, you know, largely, I mean, they had good talent and Ed could find good talent. And um, that's where I sort of start the process. And then, uh, you know, then that begat something else. And then there was, you know, um, you know, the Chris Presson hiring, um, who I, you know, I met a couple of times and I thought based on his, his pedigree, he thought, man, this guy might work. But, you know, was there a need to go outside and find an American for a Canadian football league team? <laughs> no, that's, uh, yeah, the Presson hiring, that's uh, a bit of a head scratcher for myself yeah. as well. I mean, I thought he was going to do very great results. Now, looking yeah. back at it, it's kind of almost a little bit similar to the Victor Quay incident. Um Catherine, I'll let you go ahead for this next question. I'm going to quickly step away and get right back because we are going to run over on this one. <laughs> oh, sure, guys, and that's on me. Oh, oh, no, no, we are loving it. Uh, Catherine. Yes, I'll definitely, I'll definitely take this over. Um, I know that recently on Twitter, um, a high-profile incident occurred involving a radio host mm-hmm. saying that it doesn't matter if his radio network doesn't oh. have a regular female host. Mm-hmm. partially due not to wanting to put an inexperienced female personality on the network. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is your opinion on this? Do you really think that this mentality is the reason for f- females refraining from entering that line of work? Is well, there implications? Here, okay, let me answer. I want to draw on my experience both as a radio host um, not just at TSN 1260, but elsewhere, but I, my career in Vancouver. And then as a program director here in Edmonton on 630 Chet, finding and developing talent of either, you know, a male, female, but it matters not. It's, it's, it's a difficult thing. Um, there have been, and sports talk radio has been the domain of males for a very long time. But if we've learned anything over the last many years, we should have known it 
you know, earlier than that, was that that women love sports. They care about sports. They're very, I mean, you know, um, some of the most uh, insightful people I've worked with in football um, have been women. You know, I, I cite my friend Molly Campbell, who's with Calgary and works as the football operations, but she was my assistant for a time. I mean, knew football in a way that, like, I'm like, wow, man, like, you <laughs> you know, but but you're talking about broadcasting here. Um, and I know all of the individuals involved in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it was poorly answered. Um, it does matter. I think those people are out there. And it's on us as a broadcast industry. You know, and I'm, I'm talking podcasting and, and traditional, you know, radio, television, whatever to create opportunities and an environment where women who want to do this, and there are lots, I mean, you look around both here in Canada, what people like uh, Claire Hanna and Kenzie Lalonde, I mean, we Cheryl Pounder, I mean, just like keep rolling. And I'm not talking just about sports anchors. I mean, they're, they're very good as well. You know, like I, I think Lindsay Hamilton on TSN is a really good, like, you know, when I'm not talking about just, doing sports desk i'm talking about hosting ottawa senators and all the stuff they do and claire hannah and the work she does that you know and has been around the cfl for a long time and and uh, brit dort who's on tsn doing sidelines is also very good um there are lots of you know and it's obvious to to again as i said create opportunities create vehicles where they're they get the chance to do it um and and then help people develop man i mean like and i'm going to come off as the old guy which i am so i guess that's authentic but (laughs) yeah we do not do enough to help our young talent you know we just don't we we, you know we we've done away and i'm going to default to radio we've done away with overnight radio we've done away with we've done away with um weekend radio so where do these people get better at their craft Yes. No, I agree. And it really, you know, it's quite apparent too. And there's a lot of stories that are coming out based out of this of women that have been extremely interested in going into broadcasting and radio. And then suddenly they're faced with these limitations, I guess, that other people are putting on them, especially men, uh, telling them that they are not able to master that craft just because of the simple fact that they are women. And then they leave their dreams behind and suddenly right. regret it, right? So there's a lot of stories of women saying that three, five years ago, I wanted to go, my my dream was to go into radio broadcasting mm-hmm. and I yeah. stepped away and I deeply regretted because well, of since this like I'm, uh, the, the world, like when you, yeah, I'm just gonna draw on my experience and you know, I've been doing it a long time you know, and I took a long break, obviously, to do other things, working for the Eskimos for 14 years. And so I got out of media, um, or at least the, you know, that part of it. And when I came back and was working at TSN 1260, um, you know, the, the relationship and when we got shut down, um, I, I was really moved for several days by the reaction and the the visceral response from people at how important we had been in their lives just on a daily basis. And I was, and I think I knew it on a level, but I didn't really truly get it. What it, what we were doing 
meant something. Like we were a good part of their day or we lightened the mood or we, you know, whatever, you know, it didn't matter what it was, but it, it mattered to them. <laughs> and, and I, but I, that there's a, a, another side to all of that and the relationship between a broadcaster and female male doesn't matter was, is a darker side and it can be very, very rough and an unkind world. Um, and I mean, lots of women do very well and survive and all of that. And they deal, you know, with all of that. And, but I, again, to come back to it, it was, the question was not answered the way it probably should have been. Um, again, I, it, well, I know it wasn't answered the way it should have been. It could have been, um, it needed to be more thoughtful. It needed to be more the answer I'm talking about here it needed to be, um, more understanding of the challenges um, of, of, you know, those trying to get that opportunity. And, and, um, but I, I'm, it's makes me sad knowing that the industry, you know, and again, I use radio podcasting has opened up lots of opportunities mm -hmm. for people. And that's, that's awesome. But because of what's happened to radio, the chance for people to learn, get their chops, and get on and, and do a show and get on and fail and succeed. And just those opportunities have been taken away. And, and that, that so begs the question, well, where do you get better? Where do you learn how to do this? Well, and that's, it's very, it's very good that you bring that up because even within that response of <clears throat> that incident, right. Mm -hmm. The response went on to say, Oh, well, so-and-so that was working with us went on to own a different business mm -hmm. or went on to do things not in radio. And then right. it, it kind of became like a condemnation on it. Whereas over here at the Elks Herd, myself, Catherine, we work as a one-two punch. We, right. Not one of us, you know, is more important than the other, but more importantly for, for even myself, having Catherine on, and I, I never think of the female part because <laughs> I look at Catherine as my partner at the Elks Herd. So I never look at uh, Catherine as being a female co-host mm -hmm. or female co-host of color. I, I don't ever look at any of that. I just say Catherine's my co-host and her and I are going to do this. And truth be told, like for anybody watching the show right now, listening to the show later on, XYZ, Catherine mm -hmm. does a lot of her graphics. Catherine does a lot of the back end of what we do at Shotgun Sports. Heavy lifting. Like the real heavy lifting. Let's call it what it is, Catherine. You're very talented. So thank you. Yeah, yeah no, and, and you nailed it, right? That that's the hard stuff. Sometimes to be a representative and to be a salesman and to put on a face and whatever else. And I, what we talk about is very genuine. Uh, everything that we tweet about and communicate with everybody and engage with everybody, it's all genuine, right? Um, maybe there's a day where you don't want to do it and you go ahead and do it. That would be where, you know, maybe the face aspect comes into play. But in, in all reality, most businesses have a representative, just like the Edmonton Elks for the last while had Victor Quee as their main representative, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you have that face guy out there that does a lot of that stuff. But then in the background, Catherine has busted in night and day and a uh, huge appreciation. But the big point of this is that. We don't. I I personally do not look at Catherine in that light, and there wasn't ever a second guess that she would be the co-host of the Elks Call. Yeah, but I think it's also a matter of 
just the society that we live in. I mean, it's getting better. We are seeing definite improvements, but it's no different, let's say, in the military or in trades, right? And you can put that parallel with radio and broadcasting, especially in the world of sports as well. It is a very male-dominant kind of industry, and it's going to take some strides and some real change to kind of move away from that mentality. And thankfully, nowadays... You see tons of influencers. You see tons of female personalities that are going out there with podcasts and YouTube videos and social media that are showing how much sports can be part of uh, females' lives as well. Well, You guys, I'm sure, are familiar with Amina Kimes, who is one of ESPN's signature on-air talents. Amina Kimes is Ivy League-educated, and there may not be a smarter person talking NFL football than Mina Kimes. Never played the game, never coached. But again, I come back to obviously deeply knowledgeable, an incredible mind. And, you know, I, again, I, I'm not, I'm glad we're talking about this, but there's a part of me that goes, look, it's 2023. And it's bullshit that we've got to even have this conversation about, you know, I come back to, can you play? Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. Job done. Because I tell you what, guys, I've sat in in studios, I did it at TSN 1260, I've done it elsewhere. And I look through the glass, and I'll see a guy who, you know, claims, I know sports, I like sports. (laughs) And I'll go, okay, well, we got a four-hour show to do. Let's Let's see what you got. No, can you dance? Yeah, that's exactly. I don't care what the the gender is. Can you dance? Can you can you get it done? Can you you know generate discussion that's you know somewhat compelling or really compelling or whatever some version thereof? And the fact that we have to have this conversation is is frankly it's tiresome. But I get why we're having it, and given what's you know happened here and and the response to it. I understand why we're having it, but it just feels like, God, did we not move on from this? But I guess we didn't. Yeah, no, no. Very, 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 very good point, Dave. And no. I mean, we had to bring it up just because. Of no, that's no, no, no. And good. Yeah. I'm glad you did. I'm just like, you know, again, that's not because I'm past my bedtime. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> why do we have to bring it in? <laughs> um, real quick in the, in the live chat here. Uh, Stephen asked, have been going to games since 1969? Yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, these are desperate times that may need a desperate logo. He'll know this logo. That's the original double E. Ah, uh, the beautiful, beautiful yeah, I love that logo. Oh, it's so good. You, yeah, yeah, you saw your hat at Fan Day there. Yeah. And then Steve also said, question, is the cat an <laughs> elk supporter or here to represent the Thai cats? Unfortunately, elk, yeah, game day Luna, we, we throw the face paint on her, of course, uh, all yes. humane and all that stuff. <laughs> all humane. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think it's time to let's just move on to a really quick Edmonton Sports update. It's the Edmonton Sports update. (laughs) The Scarborough Shooting Stars are your 2023 CEBL champions. The Edmonton Stiggers did not make it to championship weekend, falling to the Calgary Surge, who went on to lose in the CEBL final. The Edmonton Oilers are looking at two-time Oiler Sam Gagne for a professional tryout. This would be potentially his third time with 
the Edmonton Oilers. The Sherwood Park Crusaders and the Elks Herd have an exciting announcement coming soon. Stay tuned to our socials for that information. And the Edmonton Elks are visiting the Hamilton Tiger Cats tomorrow night at Tim Hortons Field. Kickoff is at 5.30 p.m. Mountain on TSN and 6.30 Ched. We're the Elks Herd. You're up to date. <laughs> there you go. He, he <clears> enjoys <throat> that segment. My Matthew Alonso. Yes. <laughs> <in there. laughs> he, he enjoys it a little too much. <laughs> and then uh, immediately after that, just like uh, good old TSN 1260, we also have uh, a bit of a commercial break. <laughs> so, Dave, I got a question for you. Yeah. You like you like throwbacks, right? You like a good throwback. Sure, of course. Did you know that RoyalRetros.com has CFL throwbacks? Okay, now hold uh, uh, wait a minute. I, I think I might have because Superfan Mike. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. A, a 1960s shirt. I saw him in a photo and I went, awesome. holy shit. Yeah. Are yeah. you serious? Where did you get that? And I, I don't. I worked on the '60s retro jersey, the seven with Dwayne Mendrews, yeah, because he's yeah. the guy that. But it led it. But I was I was head of marketing and and communications, and so I got to work on those those projects. So I got a real soft spot for that stuff. I'm a bit of a jersey. Like I don't buy stuff because, but you know, I'm too old man for all that stuff. But anyhow. I have a real deep appreciation for jerseys and I've heard about Royal Retros and I've looked at their stuff. But then when Mike said like, yeah, and I got this made, I'm like, what? It's dynamite. It's so cool. Oh, those those guys are like extremely passionate for jerseys. And uh, luckily for us, our admin down in Alabama ended up scoring a 10% off code using the code stampede over at royalretros.com. And the reason for that is because the Birmingham Stallions ended up winning the 2023 mm-hmm. USF championship. Giddy up. And remember that code stampede is also good for the CFL throwbacks. So yeah, you can of use course. go get your gear. Uh, <laughs> Things engraved is our first official merchandise partner. So thingsengraved.ca. We'll make sure that the link is in the description, but uh there's always a sale. There's always a sale. Something is always on sale over at <laughs> our things engraved catalog. And then soap. So <laughs> let's talk about soap. Mm. Dave, do you use soap? I, I guess I, I have used it. I'm familiar with it. I, I, I try to make it part of, a, of my daily routine. I'm actually, um, in fact, I'm such a big fan of soap. I'm glad you brought it up. I was hoping you would. Um, I'm a bit of a shaving nerd. And I know you have, a, you have a, a wonderful beard, and so I applaud you for that. I I can't anymore, but I used to be able to, but I, I didn't. But I'm uh, because I I, I so I I, I really uh, cherish and uh, value a good soap, and certainly a good shaving soap. So yeah, I'm all in on the soap thing. Well, lather.com. Oh, <laughs> there can be. I'm going to write that down. Oh, lather. Uh, it's lather, so it's L A T H R. No, no e, e. So it's oh. without the E. <laughs> and we get 15% off over at lather.com. So uh, shotgun sports 15 is your code for lather.com. Go yeah. get yourself some cheap Canadian soap. Oh. I believe it's Ontario. I want to say it like Saga made. City. Locally made? Lo- 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 well, not, not, quite made. <laughs> but 
nationally, nationally made. made. Canadian products support. They're bad, they're nationwide. Not me, bad, meaning good. Uh, All right, guys. So our last segment for tonight. This has been awesome, by the way, Dave. We are loving this conversation. I've enjoyed this a lot. Oh, this is beautiful, man. Um, big fan of yours. Uh, real quick before we dive into this. I've listened to you on TSM 1260. <laughs> we have we've done our trivia Thursdays. We've opened up the books that we're using for reference because Catherine, here's testament to Catherine. <laughs> Catherine would go down to the public library, go to the archives, go get any double E books that she could, and we'd open them up. Uh, was it the Dan Kepley? Which one was it? That yeah, I opened, think so. Yes. We yeah. reopened it up and um Oh no! It was it was the uh, decade of excellence, maybe. Just oh yeah, like, Terry Jones' oh, first book. Yeah. Whatever I can yeah. find. And and your name's in there, right? And in, in yeah. one of these books, we open it up, yeah. and your name is in there. Dave Jameson, director of um, yeah. uh, media. That's me. That's, I'm the guy. Yeah. Beautiful. So uh, we've been extremely excited, and this is the segment we've been most excited about. This is the more you didn't know. So we're gonna ask you a couple questions here, <laughs> okay. Dave. Yeah. The first one, you have been on every side of the fence when it comes to the Edmonton Eskimos, the Edmonton Elks, uh, the double E's. Mm -hmm. Can you please give us your double E timeline? Oh, like my personal? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you get personal and including your career, but like, I, like as long as you have been involved with the green and gold. Were you Were you and before you started working for the double. Okay, well, uh, I can do this fairly quickly. So I've, you know, I started interacting with the club when I was the program director of 630 Chet, right? So um, when was that? 90, I mean, I, right, 90, something, 95, 94, anyhow, 94. Um, and so I was starting, you know, we carried the game. So I was working with Alan Watt and I'm the running Chet, or at least the program director of Chet. And so I was interacting with the team and, you know, so I had a relationship. 1998, I get hired um, to be the director of communications for the Edmonton Eskimos. My first day on the job, first day, we, we, we signed David Archer. <laughs> and so I got to write a press release and I'd never written a press release. And I've read lots of them and I've been around it, but I hadn't done one. And, you know, I'm banging it out and, you know, trying to do this thing. And David Archer is coming in and we announced this signing and we're all very excited. And David was a great guy. And I love David Archer. And I know lots of people like, oh, God, and David Archer. He was an awesome guy. He was so good to me in my first year doing this job. And then uh, jump ahead, hire Don Matthews. Oh, one more timeline, one more thing in 98. David Archer got thrown out of a game at Commonwealth Stadium because he threw Glenn Rogers Jr. over the timers table. <laughs> I've heard of him. I've heard of him. out of the game, and, and I'm walking off with David. Like, I'm like, holy shit, our quarterback got thrown out of the game. Fans are booing. Well, <laughs> David gave the finger to the knothole game because somebody was yelling at him like some oh, – it was just a mess. Anyhow, I go – I go – um, I, I go in the dressing room with him and I'm like, uh, wow. Like I've, I, you know, I'm sort of, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, kind of, do you want to hide or do you want me to tell the media you're not available? He goes, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open the door when the coach says it's, you know, we're going to open the door and I want you to tell him, go right to me. And I looked at him and I went, holy shit. I just got sort of the, that's a professional. Yeah. 
And he stood there and took the questions and was a pro. Um, skip forward to hire Don Matthews, 1999. That was a wild experience. I used to wait. Uh, Don would do a coach's show on Chad and he would say, and it was like eight at night, the coach's show, Monday night or something, I think it was. And Don, let's just say Don may rest in peace, um, enjoyed life. And I would have to call him to wake him up for the show. The And, you know, some nights it was harder to find him than others, but we got him, you know, got him to the phone on some nights and sometimes to get him there in person. Anyhow, and I had a lot of experiences with Don uh, through two years and a lot of them good. And I learned a lot. And it was it was um, it was wild working with the Don. I mean, it was quite something. And then it got calmer times um with with tom and i'm going off the coaches because that's the easiest way to kind of move along the timeline and uh don got fired two days before the first preseason game in 2021 which was a wild experience because i was told um and i know i'm not doing the timeline fast (laughs) but i have to tell this story because we had fan day in 2021, you may remember, I don't know how old you are, we had to do our training camp out in St. Albert. We were at the Army base, and the field was unplayable. And so we had to go to the rugby club in St. Albert and do our sessions, back-to-backs. and you know. And But we were going to do fan day at the Army base. And Hugh Campbell pulled me aside, and he said, I need to talk to you. Follow me. And we went over this berm and the team is practicing and Don is out on the field. And and Hugh says, well, you're one of three people that know this. And my wife is the other one. And I'm the other one. I said, okay, that's the, that's you, your wife and me, right? I've got it right. He goes, yeah. He said, we're firing the coach. And I said, our coach, like him, Don Matthews over my shoulder. He said, yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Our media guide goes to print. This is Sunday. It's like Monday morning. I'm like, media guys, PR guys worry about stuff like the media guide. And I'm like, damn it. Okay. (laughs) And he goes, don't, you can't tell a soul. I went, no, no shit. (laughs) So I go back and, and I'm, I got to walk around with this knowledge that the guy I'm looking at and talking to is getting fired. So the next day we're at practice at St. Albert, the rugby club, and we get through the first, no, the the two morning sessions. And so it's around lunch hour because we'd start like at 9 a.m. and just plow through. It was a long days. And I'm like, okay, when is this going to go down? Like, what's happening here? And he walks Dawn off the field and they're walking towards the parking lot where their cars are. And what we would do is we'd get on a bus from the rugby club, go back to the army base, change, shower. And then we would go in the commissary, the military commissary with all the officers, like everyone's around and there's guys in fatigues and everything. And there we were eating our lunch. So I watch you take Don off to the side and he fires him like right there. And I'm like, Oh shit, this is going to be something. So I take off and, you know, we're talking 2001 here, guys. We've got flip phones. We're not, you know, we're not super connected. 
and we're going to have a news conference like two hours later. So I've got to phone all the reporters and we're not texting people. It's like you got to get dialed global. Hello, CTV. Hello. Like we're having a news conference. We got to go here. And um, that was that was for me sort of my big story that I was part of, you know, and then, you know, you skip forward through the timeline and, you know, we're coming up on Labor Day and it's we're this year as you know with the terry vaughn wall of honor they're going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of the 2003 breakup right and that's going to be honored and so we're today i did an interview uh, around the brawl in 2003 the labor day brawl the famous brawl and so you know i go 2001 firing of dawn all that happened oh two we hosted a great cup and lost and there's a story there around that because, you know, they sat Winston October, which was a mistake because we didn't have a kick returner. John Avery then blew his hamstring or whatever the hell it was. And he so he came out of the half. And so we lost him. And I mean, it was a mess. We should have won. We we're the better team. The shitty field. That was disappointing. And then we win in 03. And 03 was an amazing year because we had the brawl. And we had the blackout early in the season in Toronto where we were stuck in Eastern Canada. So I look at 03 as kind of really a pivotal year, A, because it was a brilliant team and we won um, the brawl and all of what happened there. And the blackout, you know, where we went down to Toronto to play and the whole Eastern seaboard had what they call a brownout where the, the electrical grid mm-hmm. just shut down. So we were this team stuck, you know, we became a national story. It was like, oh, look, the Edmonton Eskimos, they can't go home. They're stuck <laughs> in Toronto. And, and there's a great, there's a bunch of great stories, man. I wish, uh, we, I mean, we, I know, I know at least TSN has done a, a short doc on it, like just a short feature. But there's so many images I have of 03 and the blackout in being in Toronto. Toronto, but the one that really sticks out of the many was the commissioner, Tom Wright, going to his three personal bank accounts in Toronto, taking out all of the money, (laughs) coming to our team hotel, and coming up to a room and meeting with Tom Higgins, our head coach, me, Dwayne Mandrusiak, and the four of us sitting in a hotel room counting out hundreds for the per diems and just going... Okay, Mike Pringle gets 500. One, two, three, four, five. Mike Pringle, right? Oh, my goodness. Wild. Ed Hervey. One, two, three, four. But all of the, I mean, we're we're stuck in a gorgeous hotel. But we're stuck in a hotel. We don't, we're out of money. Because guys go on the road and they, they, you get a per diem. Well, we got through, we were supposed to play on a Friday, I think it's Skydome, and then fly home the next day. Well, guys are out of money. So we get to the stadium and it's blacked out. Like the, the, the Toronto is in darkness. So we're not playing a football game, although they debated it. And But sitting there with the commissioner of the CFL with brown paper bags of money, just counting this up and then going and finding guys, like because people were scattering, we had nowhere to practice. Um, we were driving around the city. I mean, people found us practice, you know, we practiced at the Argos facility, but you know, it was a national story because there were the Edmonton Eskimos and they were orphans. 
<laughs> so the 03 season, like your timeline, and I know, I mean, some seasons kind of blended into the next one, but, you know, I look at the timeline and then there was also the, um, the moment where at the time, I should say the incident where there was a, um, it was very serious. Someone was killed um, where a, the, a lot of the guys were staying down at a place near um, uh, what now Remax field um, and there was a bar called Cliff Clavens in this now, I think it's a condo unit, but anyway, it was an apartment complex then. A lot of guys stayed there and it was down in the river Valley. And, um, I got a call on a Sunday night from Rick Campbell or one of our assistants. And he goes, you better get downtown because we're hearing that there's been an incident at this place, this, this in a tall tower. And what had happened was there had been an explosion, like on the fifth or sixth floor, I think. And a, there was someone, I believe, killed. And then the woman, a woman had to jump. And she jumped into the waiting arms of six Eskimo players. <laughs> and they caught her, right? They, they were out there and they're like, she's like, I'm going to jump. And they're like, well, we're going to catch you. And this story then went, blew up. And this is, you know, we're talking, you know, in the 2000s here, in the early 2000s. And having, you know, it was Bruce Beaton and Sheldon Benoit and Winston October and Ron Williams and Raheem Abdullah. And they caught this woman and saved her from this fire and explosion. And they ended up, we ended up doing a thing on CNN with Connie Chung back in the day. And that was, that's another highlight of the timeline. Like it was another, holy shit, I can't believe I'm involved. Like we're involved in this moment, right? So it was, we used to laugh, like big news seemed to follow us, you know, from coaching firings and the blackout and the thing on CNN and the, you know, the building and the explosion. And it was, it was kind of funny. We were a good football team, very good football team, but we also had these weird things around us. You know, we had a couple of stabbings where some of our players were had incidents off the field. I went to court with Alfred Payton uh, on his stuff, and I used to have to take him to the lawyer because Hugh Campbell said, I want to make sure you take Alfred Payton to his lawyer's appointments. And I said, <laughs> okay. And so we would go to practice, and I would wait for Alfred to shower. And Swack was amazing, brilliant player. And he, uh, he'd been involved in an incident. Actually, I'll take you back to 2 uh, breakup. I'm on, we're on the field practicing and, you know, getting ready for breakup and media. It's huge. National media are all, everyone's there. It's we're Clark stadium and, and my phone rings and it's, Hey, you know, good morning, Mr. Jamison. It's so-and-so from Edmonton police service. And I'm like, Oh, good morning. And he said, hope I haven't caught you at a bad time. I said, well, we're just, you know, I'm pra- we're practicing and we're just getting ready to do some media stuff. And he said, oh, well, I'm sorry to trouble you. I know it's a big week and we're all excited for the Eskimos. I said, well, thank you, Constable, or whatever his rank was. He said, but, um, well, so we got a problem. I said, okay, well, what's, what, how can I help you? And he goes, well, one of your players appeared in court this morning. And I said, sorry, I'm one of our players, like an Eskimo. He said, yes. Alfred Payton appeared before the court this morning, before the judge, early today, like whenever the court opens up. I mean, we were on the field. I forget what it was, but Mr. Payton was there and he appeared uh, and he represented himself. And I'm like, represented himself. <laughs> no. 
um, do tell me more. And he said, well, he appeared and, and um, um, the, 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 I just want you to be aware. And, 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 and we filled me in. And so I'm like, holy shit. This is great. We're playing breakup on Sunday. This is like Wednesday. Or what, what, huh? How did I not know that we had a player going to court? Oh. So I run out to the middle of the field and Tom Higgins is about to kind of break down the team. I said, Tom, we got a problem here. Like number 56 has been in court this morning. Were you aware? And he's like, well, I knew, he, I knew, <laughs> I knew Alfred had an issue. <laughs> well, we got to know more than he had an issue here because we're about to put Alfred up on the podium to do all the interviews. Like, uh, 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 we're not going there because there are people who are, have been in the courthouse who, you know, they've got court reporters who would phone a sports reporter who would say, Hey, listen, there's an Eskimo who's just been in court this morning on an assault charge. You might want to ask them about it. And so we're like, no, no, no. I think Alfred needs to go in for treatment. He's still going to go on the podium. Anyhow, we, we get through, we, you know, we played the game, lose the game, and, and um, it, Alfred leaves town quickly. And um, that was a kind of a wild ride. And then comes back to town for 03, gets hurt early in that season, but has to then deal with the fallout from being found guilty because he showed up in court without a lawyer and, the judge said, "Well, Mr. Payton," and read him the you know details of the, the infraction and the charges. And Alfred thought, because he's an American and doesn't know the Canadian legal system, nor should he. He just kind of thought. And the judge said, "Well, you know, go Eskimos. Good luck on Sunday." And he thought, "Well, I guess I'm good to go." No, no, oh, no. <laughs> and so he left, went back home to Louisiana in the off season, oh, and thought, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm solid." Returned for training camp in 03, and they went, not solid, dude. We got, a we got to deal with this. So I had to end up going to court to do all his legal visits. You know, oh, his no. We had to try and undo the process based on the fact that Alfred didn't know, you know, the severity of what was happening. Oh, no. And, you know, it was a, I'm not going to minimize, but it was a fairly minor infraction. But someone, you know, said, oh, that guy's an Eskimo. And press charges and whatever else mm-hmm. anyhow um it was that was on the on my timeline i mean there's you know being around breakup winners in though three and oh five but that story you know was another one i always go oh i can't believe i was part of that and alfred and i used to drive him to the lawyer and we would sit and i would take notes and then i'd take him back home and and then i would sit with him in the courthouse and you know went to court with him and and was with them through it all. And, you know, I, I, cause I would, A, it was part of my job, but also it was, you know, I wanted to be there for a guy who was a teammate. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like by, he was one of us. Yeah. So you're not going alone in this. Oh God. That's amazing. Yeah. That yeah. Is amazing. What a job. Yeah. What a well, job. yeah it, was, it was, it was certainly a weird job for sure. I, I can I tell you right it. now. I mean, we're we're gonna rip through our last questions, Dave. We're gonna have to have you back on because <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna need to have another great uh, combo with you. That's These stories. Right. Happy to do it. This is so good, uh, Catherine. Uh, yeah. So taking it away a little bit from the Edmonton Elks and yeah. everything, um, we know of one of her 
of your projects, which is Cancer in the Room. So what can you tell us about that and what other projects or collaborations or prospects do you have? Uh, yeah, for employment, I'm guessing you're you're. Being, um, <laughs> I don't want to go there. I, I got I got it in there. I got it in there. In yeah, the I always I always tell people now, if I am driving you in a limousine to the airport, just be generous with your tip. Um, I don't know to answer the last question first. I don't know what prospects are. I mean, I'm just taking a bit of time. Um, the last two cancer in the room is a project of of some great passion and uh with my friend Bryn Griffiths who is a fellow cancer patient survivor um and Bryn and I have known each other a very long time and Bryn we came together when I got sick and I was diagnosed with uh, head and neck cancer in 2021 in June um June 5th and then I had my surgery and then I had radiation head and neck radiation in um September of 2021 but Bryn was really supportive because uh, he'd gone through a different kind of cancer but we, and so we ended up when I was able to kind of come through it and we were able to get together we thought there's something here maybe we can combine you know because we knew enough people in sports had gone through cancer of some description would have great stories to tell and could we combine um you know individual stories that were inspirational um and also you know on the back end get to some sports and and you know some of and we've had ron rivera the head coach of the washington commanders with buck martinez the voice of the blue jays and jamie campbell who's an anchor sports anchor well he's host of blue jays baseball on sportsnet and some other folks to talk about their journey with cancer and also their life in sports you know be they an athlete an executive a, a coach whatever it doesn't matter and Craig McTavish was on the show, um, and and we uh, it 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 was you know we didn't get into it to make money or really other than to be able to tell some stories, you know because there is a real when you have cancer and go through it um, there is a real community you find that that people you didn't know want to help they want to listen they want to be there. And in many cases, you know, not everybody, a lot of people, if they go through it and they come out of it, you know, and they they want to get on with their lives and not look back, but a lot of people are willing to share. Um, and that sharing is valuable. And so that, that, that's the essence of what cancer in the room is. Well, and it, it it's absolutely amazing that you've created that space, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like how we tried to create some form of space here with the outside you having cancer in the room with Bryn and then you know like you said right people kind of feel alone when they're going through that battle or when they're talking to people they don't have somebody to talk to about it mm -hmm. so you coming in with cancer in the room and then Buck Martinez uh that episode was great uh Ron Rivera Ron Rivera that uh episode we you and I talked about it I believe uh absolutely amazing yes you know Ron even Rivera was um, you know, I have career highlights in broadcasting and things that I've done and people I've talked to that I, I just go, wow, I can't believe that I was able to do that and, and, you know, be part of that. But the Ron Rivera interview is going to be something that sticks with me a long time. And I know Bryn feels the same way because, you know, first of all, you don't get an NFL coach and you certainly don't for a podcast in Edmonton. Yeah. Ron Rivera came off the field 
from an OTA to do that. And he was exceptionally generous with his time. He was welcoming. He was, you, I, you could not ask for, and I've never met the man. I mean, I'm like a lot of most other people. I've only seen him on sidelines and in interviews and, you know, you don't know a person, but I'm telling you, um, that was a man that was entirely impressive. No, that. Yeah, it was just, I, we laughed and we, we went ended and we just went, holy, wow, that was something. No, and that, that's, like you said, right, especially you having a CFL background, mm-hmm. NFL coach coming off the field, yeah. uh, definitely going to have that conversation with you. And we recommend that everybody goes and checks out that episode. Thank you. Uh, go ahead, go ahead and plug uh, the source should be uh, your podcast streams there. Yes, absolutely. Go wherever you, uh, as Brian always likes to say, your ear candy, and you can find cancer in the room. And we hope you enjoyed. We we kind of did a summer hiatus because you know we had a bunch of stuff to do, and Brin's got other projects he's working on, and uh, we're going to fire it up here um, in short order. And uh, cancer, the back end of your thing. I don't know what what next steps are going to be. You know, because I've kind of arrived at a place in life um with with my career and and life where you know i just i want to take time and whatever is going to come next Mm -hmm. um i you know like to be doing good work with good people and i know that sounds very generic and and kind of sappy but um you know is it is it some work that i i you know i've done 10 years more than 10 years now of work in the not-for-profit and charitable realm you know i'm chair of the brain care center board of directors and have been uh for five years and prior to that i was with capital care foundation involved all of this volunteer and i find that work very satisfying um in the not-for-profit sector and and around um you know either healthcare or however you want to phrase it you know the elderly um you know so i don't know i i, I know you know, I should probably be more focused on that, but that's, I just don't know yet what the next steps are going to be, but I'm excited to, to go and my health is a lot better. Uh, I feel a lot better today than I did, you know, coming back when I did 10 months after the surgery and the, the radiation, everything was, a was, was physically demanding and mentally demanding and doing, getting back to TSN 1260 was a goal. I, you know, I set some goals when I got sick was, um one of them was to return to work well the first one was to survive <laughs> i thought was probably a good place to start like hey yeah. how do you try living and now we've got that check that box and then the other was to get working again and um you know that was that was not a given because you know i lost my voice for several weeks um because of the radiation and um you know, there was a real concern. I, I had a real concern, like, what am I going to do now? You know, if I can't do that, what do I do? Anyhow, we, we, we did it. And, and, um, and then, you know, the station, it, we know how it ended. And, um, and then you go, okay, well, you know, but what are you going to do now to both you know, pay for life and then also to fill your time and do things? So I'm, I'm working on that. That's, you know, long winded way of saying, I don't know. Well, we'll keep an eye. I'm yeah. sure we'll Thank be more you. successful. <laughs> well, and uh, before our, our, our outro here, um, yeah. I can tell you, Dave, that I was watching your your 
your resurgence. I was waiting for you to come back to 1260. I remember the day you came back to 1260. Um, your story of resilience is inspirational and empowering. And just like Cancer in the Room, right? These stories and you being here to tell it and you being the example of, yes, you can make it through most bad things in life. You can make it through it, but you can also be successful while you do it. And that, that's a major reason as to why we wanted to talk to you as well is because you have that resilience behind you that, you know, let's say our double E question, we'd usually ask the life lifelong uh, fan question, what keeps you going? We know we're going to ask that on another episode with you, right? But we also know that you're a loyal, straight up, uh, resilient guy. So well, thank you. That's, we can kind of I, that no, um, resilience is um, is is a is a quality I didn't know I had until I needed it, um, and I needed a lot of it. And I had a lot of help, you know, from my my three children, Lindsay, Abby, and Danny, and and my 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 dear friend Holly, who have been here um, and helped me along, and my my circle of friends and my football community. Um, you know, it's funny the the notes I got after people learned that I was ill um, from players, former players I'd worked with. One of the things I tried to do when I, you know, I, I was very clear that I was I was friendly and I was I was served the needs of coaches and players, but I never assumed or presumed that the relationship was more than what it was. Right. But I, I, and by that, I mean, I didn't go out for dinner with guys. I left them their space. I didn't, but th they knew, and I hope they knew through my actions that I was there for them. You know, whether it was Alfred Payton in court or going to see Adam Braidwood, you know, when he was in court and, and making his appearance that he could look out as he did. I don't know if he saw me, but it was important to me that they, because they're teammates, and I, that thing matters to me, even though I clearly am not a player, thank God. Um, and, and that, those sorts of things. So, you know, when, when you say resilience and I thank you for that, you know, I, you never know how much you got until you need it. And humans are tested every day for a variety of reasons. And I was, and still am. I mean, I still got lots of issues I got to deal with and probably will until, you know, I'm not doing this living um but you you know our ability to to find a way is is pretty remarkable i just didn't know i had all of you know some of that let's say well we uh we can definitely learn a lot from no. people like you dave so. yeah and, you. and and we mean it from the bottom of our hearts i mean the edmonton city of edmonton the country of canada North America, the world, it's a way better place with Dave Jameson on it. And I mean, you've, you've brightened up my days when I've had shitty days and you don't even know it. So when TSN 1260 went down, yeah. this, guy, this guy shed a tear. Yeah. And, and, and part of that too, right? Is, Thank is, you. That's, that means a lot. That means so that. Again, back to what I said earlier about the depth of the relationship with, and I obviously I know you guys, and and and, but 
there's lots of people you don't, and I think that's probably why I fell in love with radio when I was a little kid and I listening in my, you know, my bed and to broadcast out of Los Angeles and places like that is you, you, you sort of, you get pulled into a world that you, you feel part of, but yet you don't really know. And so the relationships are, are, are interesting and they're, but they're deeper than you think they could be or should be. And, you know, just what you guys are saying about, you know, what happened with the radio station and, and what it, and the impact it had on your life. Um, that's, uh, that's a pretty dynamic thing. You know, it really is. No, it it is. And, you know, just as you said, you don't really, uh, you don't get that until it's done. Yeah. Uh, especially with your job, right? Same deal for us. We don't really get to show you that appreciation that much or show you that until once again, it's done. Yeah. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, we have ran a full 55 minutes over today. <laughs> this is beautiful. This is beautiful because that's it. how you know it was a good show. Yes. So, well, you know what? It, 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 that's, I am glad. Well, thank you. I hope it works for you guys and for the people watching and all that. But, you know, I'm, I'm like, and people who worked with me know that I was just the either the well no the worst at watching the clock and, and my producer Matthew Wanick would be like wow you really like I said you had a 15 minute segment you got out at 15 I said yes <laughs> because that's what you told me to do and so I have violated my own rules here so I apologize for going on and riffing too long but uh, you know, that's okay Don't because we, we violated our own rules as well we try to keep it to an hour and we knew it was going to go over um, yeah. this is good conversations this is that's amazing Dave this is oh, thank you I appreciate the I appreciate the platform and you guys you know let it breathe and I I love that and and uh um, you know, if, if, if I were a musician, God, I wish I was, you know, it, it, someone would write a review saying self-indulgent and went on too long. <laughs> I, I, I get that. And, and I, I will understand it, but, um, I know we're here to tell stories and share stuff. And so, um, it was good for me as well. Hey, we will definitely have you on as long as you're down. Dave. I'm down. Um, and here, just Steve before, yeah, just before we go, everybody's absolutely loving these stories as well. Mm -hmm. We have Steve saying thank you, Dave, um, for, thank attending. You for attending and oh, providing wow. some great comments and insight. And also, we have another comment just saying they love these stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was funny because you know I did a show for the last year with Low Tide, who is as he reminds me all the time. You know I'm an author, and I go, yes, <laughs> where you have a book? Would you like to plug it? And he'd say, you got to write a book. I said, Al, I I don't have your skill. I don't. I am not strong enough with the narrative, but I I have moments. You know, I can tell a story, and I can tell, but a book is a lofty thing and it requires great skill most of which i don't have but i can tell you anecdotes and anecdotes might lend themselves to maybe like a really cool article well now I don't know you know what book. all these stories that we just heard they can go they in a would, book. yeah they would make a fantastic the book. book the book I'm you can't saying. forget about the book the <laughs> yeah. book yes well you can write another yeah. book now with yes. all of anecdotes and I just like the idea of a book but then having to do the appearances yeah, yeah, yeah. and oh, chasing yeah. people around to chapters asking them if they want to buy the book I'd love that stuff 
<laughs> oh, so good, so good. What was yeah. the uh, what was what was the uh, the the place that uh, he was doing his signings at? Uh, that was Audrey's. Audrey's, yes, oh, Audrey's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Audrey's. And, and he would be, and and I I wasn't there, but I have friends who went, and they said he was awesome, and he read from it, and I always yeah. loved the idea of of authors reading from their books. It's just so good. It's just I awesome. It. I love all of it. Oh, so it. good. Maybe we'll yeah. see another one here coming up. Well, yeah, well, no, we need to see one from Dave Jameson. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank our live chat viewers tonight for getting in the chat, blowing it up. We had quite a few in there, so thank you for listening. Most importantly, Dave Jameson, thank you so much. Thank you so thank much you. for your awesome evening, man. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you were a great company, and uh, to everyone watching and listening and um uh, you know taking this in um you will you will do it again and you know let's uh uh the elks need us right they need the they need the vibes they need the the support and i'm not here to you know say you, sh- you gotta go i mean you'll you'll go if you want to go um but we're we're we want better times ahead for the franchise and um you know uh i Again, I'm holding up my double E, and so I still, you know, I still believe, and I still want the best for them, and I know you guys do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we're we're all in the same common goal here. You're taking care of the e alumni. We're trying to be here for the fans, yeah. and in turn, we're we're all part of the same community. So, yes. um, Dave, how about we have this kind of conversation after a couple home wins? Let's do that. That let's sounds fun. That. <laughs> let's do this again, guys. Thank everybody, so thank you so much for. Joining the herd on the Elks call today. My name is Scout, aka the Reference Section X. And I'm Catherine, aka Dave. And I'm Dave Jameson. Yeah. And that is Dave Jameson. <laughs> hey guys, this was another lovely episode of the Elks call. We'll chat you all later. Have a good one, everybody. Have Go out. Good Elks. night, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>